Blog Talk Radio. Today, here on Cincy Business Talk with Mike Roth, Cincinnati's most experienced Sandler trainer. We'll be talking to business leaders about how they have grown their businesses and people. We discuss new strategies, tactics, and philosophies which lead to positive growth in our marketplace. Our program is sponsored by Sandler Training by Roth & Associates. Each week, we'll talk with our best Cincinnati area top executives about their tools and insights. Our regular listeners will be given the edge that will help them win in a competitive environment which we live. Simple solutions to complex problems which challenge all of us are rarely correct. We will address complex problems or opportunities with appropriate solutions. If you have questions or comments, contact Mike at MikeRoth at RothConsulting.net or call Mike at 513-753-9400. Now your host, Cincinnati's most experienced Sandler trainer, Mike Roth. Thanks, Scott. This is Mike Roth, and I'm here today with Barbara Culver. Before we get started, I'd uh, like to remind everyone, on tomorrow's show, we're going to have Troy Augustine from INET Interactive, which was founded in 2002. INET Interactive is a special interest media company serving uh, special interest groups in the web with online properties, events, and publications. He has been one of the fastest-growing companies in America. In fact, he was named to the Inc. 5,000 fastest-growing privately held companies for three consecutive years, 2008, 9, and 10, and is recognized twice as a fast 55 fastest-growing company here in the Cincinnati market. So it should be a, a really good show with Troy tomorrow. And today we have Barbara Culver. Let me tell you, you folks a little bit about uh, Barbara and, and her company or companies. Is that right to describe it as companies? That's right, to, to describe it as companies, yes. Good. Barbara uh, has a, a vast personal and professional life experience with other professionals in offering purposeful planning. And this, this is a process for individuals and couples and families to maximize their potential. Potential, I guess, means the ability to make and retain wealth. Not just to make and retain wealth, but also to retain the family relationships as well over time. Yeah, family relationships uh, have a tendency to uh, deteriorate when uh, the wrong values get put into play. Barbara, you've been known as a visionary, and you've co-authored three books. That's correct. Okay, you want to tell us a little bit about the books you've written? I wrote the books, uh, co-authored them, actually, several years ago. One of them is specifically for women, written by women for women. And that was because uh, several of us in the business at the time just felt that women could benefit from a woman's insight, a woman's perspective as far as a professional advisor writing books specifically for them. The other books, though, really are more on the purposeful planning trail. One is very much helps people understand the values-based planning. It's called Getting to the Heart of the Matter. And the third I actually co-authored on the technical side with uh, two attorneys, and that's a book on giving. So it talks about uh, various philanthropic strategies that can be used. And interestingly enough, besides helping to uh, preserve the family wealth because it doesn't get lost to taxes, Philanthropy is also one of the greatest ways to unite and keep families together. Mm-hmm. 
in the form of uh, something like a family trust? Well, in the form of something like a donor-advised fund or a private family foundation where intergenerationally and literally in perpetuity, if people want, the family can continue to bond around those people, causes, organizations that reflect their values and help make the kind of difference and impact in the world that that family is interested in making. That's great. Well, just to finish the introduction a little bit, Barbara, uh, uh, graduated from Bowling Bowling Green State University, uh, earned your Chartered Life Underwriter Certificate in 84, Chartered Financial Consultant in 87, Certified Financial Planner in 88, and Accredited Estate Planner in uh, 2007. In your industry, there certainly are a lot of different uh, accreditations and titles people are. There are, absolutely. And like most of them, uh, these were all what we call quantitatively based. In other words, they were focused on tax economics, they were focused on tax strategies, they were focused on employee benefits, deferred comp, uh, qualified retirement plans, things that are more technical in nature. And it is really from getting those designations, Mike, and in applying those in my career and my relationship with my clients that I learned I only had actually mastered a very small piece of the puzzle. So the technical knowledge, which the tests are based on, doesn't give one the practical experience that you need and know-how to help families. Not only it doesn't give you the experience, it doesn't give you the language that you need. It doesn't give you the questions that you need. It doesn't give you the insight that you need. It doesn't give you what we call skill sets on the qualitative side of the planning relationship. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Before we go any deeper, I uh, I guess I forgot to mention what's happening next week after Friday on the show. Next Thursday, on the 30th, we're going to have radio broadcast legend in the Dayton area, Dr. John Turk Logan, uh, on the the show with us. He owns a company called Logan Communications. On the following day, on Friday, the 6th, no, it must be the 31st, Friday the 31st, we're going to have Dave Bellows back. Dave is one of our most experienced Sandler black belts here in Cincinnati. And we're going to do something unusual during the show. We're actually going to show show you how to handle stalls and objections via the Sandler method. And we're going to talk about some of the real-life experiences that uh, that Dave Bellows has had. Following week, we're going to have Trent McCracken, who's got a company called eHealth Solutions. The following week, we're going to bring back another Black Belt President's Club member, Phil Wiseman, and we're going to be talking about some areas of special interest, which we will announce on the show. So you're going to have to listen to find out exactly what Phil is going to say. Next week, we do have a uh, cold call camp. That's all day uh, Wednesday the 29th. We have a few seats left for that. That's uh, normally 595 a person, but if you call 753-9400 and extension 106, tell Carmen you heard me announcing it on the radio show. She'll give you an instant $100 rebate on that. So the cold call camp runs from 8 to 5, and we'll teach people how to get by gatekeepers, uh, how to build three 
highly effective scripts for contacts, five methods to get through other people's voicemails, so at least 70% of your voicemail messages are returned within 24 hours, and uh, we'll even have enough time to have everyone make a couple of cold calls, which we'll be able to debrief after each cold call is made. Barbara, uh, you've been in the financial planning business, family planning business, since you got out of college? No, I actually uh, taught school inner city junior high for about eight years. Inner city, the tough ones. The tough ones. Back then they were called learning disabled behavior disordered kids. Today they're what you call the ADHD kids. Mm -hmm. Um, And um, I learned a lot of great life lessons from those eight years and also knew that I couldn't continue to do that for the rest of my professional career. I can understand why why people decide to bail out of that career. Uh, So it was after teaching that you got involved with uh, financial planning. Right. Okay. And when when was it that you actually started your, your firm? Does it resonate? Yes. Well, there's been a couple of iterations, but I got in the business back in 1980. Mm-hmm. And had my own company by 1984. Okay. And how did you get to where you are today? <laughs> 60 hour, 70 hour, 80 hour work weeks. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm glad you put it that way. <laughs> Continued well, personal and professional growth. <laughs> you know, it, it's amazing to me uh, as a coach, trainer. When I talk to a salesperson who says he or she wants to work 35 hours a week, uh, usually I'm then talking to someone who's going to make $30,000 a year, and I shouldn't be talking to them. Uh, we, we've done studies of the number of hours that, that salespeople actually work. And when you, when you get up to salespeople over $100,000 a year, Barbara, can you take a guess how many hours they're working? A week? Yeah. Over a hundred thousand. Over a hundred thousand. I'd have to guess, probably sixty-five to seventy-five. Minimum fifty-five. Mm-hmm. Minimum fifty-five. Mm-hmm. If they're a manager and they manage salespeople, it bumps up a little bit from there. Mm-hmm. And uh, we did, we did this a survey a few years ago on a, uh, a certain company here in town, and this, the average was thirty-three hours a week. Oh wow. Uh, the owner of the company was a CPA, and I said, if this is an honest number, I don't think I really want to work with your company. Mm-hmm. And he says, he laughs and he says, Mike, you know, they inflated the numbers. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, tell us a little bit about uh, your company and what your philosophy is in business today. All right, well... What happened for me as I was applying these technical skills and this technical knowledge that I was gaining through the various designations that you mentioned early on, I realized that I was missing a lot of the human part of the relationship. Mm-hmm. And it didn't take me long to understand that the decisions were being made very much on that human side. Mm-hmm. as opposed to anything that perhaps I had been taught to show in the way of product, illustration, tax savings, and so on. And so I realized also that if my ability to 
talk with someone or facilitate a meeting with someone was limited to this quantitative aspect of the conversation. Just the numbers. Just the numbers. That Just the facts, ma'am, if you're old enough to remember that. Joe Friday. Yeah. <laughs> there we go. That I was also somehow limiting the possibilities for my client to be able to maximize and make the very best decisions that they could make. Mm-hmm. And as soon as that clicked for me, then I knew that I wanted to do business differently than how I'd been taught. Sounds all like one of Sandler's rules. People buy emotionally. Absolutely. And justify logically 30 milliseconds later. Exactly. Barbara, we're going to take a a short commercial break here uh, of about two minutes. If you're listening to the show and you want to ask Barbara a question, the number for you to call in on is 646-595-4916. That's uh, 646-595-4916. This is Mike Roth, Cincinnati's most experienced Sandler trainer. If you're a salesperson or a company owner, my message is critical for you. Today, I want to talk to you about the real secret of getting out of debt. Earn more money. Most salespeople and owners want to sell more at a higher price with better margins, but don't know how. I've helped hundreds of people and companies grow over 30% per year by making an investment in themselves. Albert Einstein said, insanity is doing the same thing over and over and expecting a different result. I teach my clients new and different strategies, tactics, and behaviors that get dramatic results. I'm not for everyone. I'm tough, expensive, abrasive, and not politically correct. But if you want results, we need to talk. Call me at 513-646-6523. Give me your toughest questions. Then, if you qualify, I'll invite you in for a free meeting. 513-646-6523. Why do some business owners make lots of money while others endure years of mediocrity? Is it really the economy, the market, the weather, the competition? No. These are all called excuses which are always plentiful. Hi, I'm Mike Roth, founder of Roth & Associates. I'm the most experienced Sandler sales trainer in Cincinnati. As a business owner or part of a team, are you accepting excuses from your sales team because you make them yourself? Business winners succeed in spite of this trash. Business winners invest in themselves and their people. For over 15 years, we've been coaching, training, and challenging professionals who are 100% committed to long-term sales growth and profitability, no matter what it takes. If you're deadly serious about increasing your sales, Call me at 513-646-6523. I'm the most experienced Sandler Sales trainer in Cincinnati. To find out how Sandler training can make you better, faster, and stronger, call 513-646-6523. This is Mike Roth. I'm back with Barbara Culver. Barbara, why don't you tell uh, the folks how, how you go to market at your company? How do, how do people uh, find you? Primarily through referral at this point in time and Mike, the referrals come from a variety of sources. We, interestingly enough, do a fair amount of work with both single and multifamily offices Mm -hmm. because they typically are very capably staffed with quantitative people. And yet what they realize oftentimes the families that they serve need is the opportunity 
to explore and to resolve qualitative issues. And so they'll bring our team in to work with those families to get through whatever that piece or those pieces are that need to be addressed. Secondly, once those families have experience with us, they typically run in some pretty tight circles. Mm -hmm. And since all families have issues, they talk to their friends Mm -hmm. and the referrals come that way. And of course, what we've done then is we've learned that the very same kind of process that leads to a successful family succession, in other words, wealth transfer as well as relationship transfers from generation to generation, the very same type of process with a couple of refinements works extraordinarily well within the business community as well. Hmm. Uh, so, so backing up a half a second, uh, it sounds like you might be brought into a family business by, say, a bank trust department to handle the uh, quali- qualitative issues. Yeah. A bank trust department could be um, a lending officer from mm-hmm. a bank may recognize we've got these issues. Trusted advisors such as the CPA mm-hmm. is oftentimes are among the first people to know that we want to sell the business and we really don't have a plan in place or these are the issues that we're concerned about. Uh, the corporate attorney may mm-hmm. invite us in. There's any number of ways that we can be um, asked to have a conversation with that business owner. Sure. And how many people do you have in your company now, Barbara? Well, what we do is we work on a um, with a virtual team mm-hmm. around the country. And the reason for that is we want to match the situation that we find our family leader or our business owner in with the exact right skill sets that are required to help them get to where they want to go in the most efficient way possible. So I work with a virtual team of highly specialized, highly regarded people around the country that I invite in to cases that are brought to me, and they do the same. So I, by design this time, have kept this company very small, and I have only one other employee. So these specialists, would they be things like therapists? Yes. The interesting thing is um, they are uh, psychologists, Mm -hmm. social workers, uh, marriage counselors. And the interesting thing about our team, I think, that distinguishes us is the people have those designations and they also happen to be inheritors. So they understand what it means to have the torch passed. They understand what it means to have the opportunity to live a life of privilege. And they have figured out how to discipline themselves, how to make decisions, how to be thoughtful about their lives in such a way so that they are choosing not just to live a life of privilege, but to also live a life of purpose. So you're specifically picking your your team members because they themselves have gone through a transition. Absolutely. 
they not only understand it from the inside out, and many of the folks on our team are uh, nationally recognized names, so that the level of wealth or the complexity of the situation is really not overwhelming or intimidating to them. Mm -hmm. Then in addition, we have folks that specialize in communication that between um, spouses. We have people or partners, business partners. We have people that specialize in communication intergenerationally, which is different than yes. when you're talking to peers or colleagues. We have people that specialize in governance issues. So there are actually 12 key areas, Mike, that vary a little bit, but there are 12 key areas either in family succession planning or in business succession planning that, first of all, need to be identified mm -hmm. and evaluated and then addressed in the order in which it makes sense. So just for, their, for our listeners, can you run through a, a list of 12 real quickly? I can. So, for example, if we have a family-owned business. You have a family-owned printing business in Cincinnati. Perfect. You know, first generation, uh, maybe it's second generation, brother and sister are running the company that they inherited from dad. Okay. How do they pass that company on? So do brother and sister now want to pass this on to their children, or is dad passing it on to brother and sister? Dad's long gone. Dad's gone. Okay. So here are the areas. And you see, one of the things, Mike, that we find is helpful about our process is that, first of all, most business owners don't even know there are 12 key areas to think about. They'll probably think of only one or two. They do. They and think the, of the money and maybe uh, stock ownership. And I've seen even the stock ownership get so diluted and fouled up in company uh, businesses that were inherited where non-participants own stock and then there are divorces or deaths. Or are we going to pay a dividend or are we not and those issues. But you're right. The whole company's got destroyed. Yeah, exactly. And the family oftentimes goes with it. Mm -hmm. So what happens is we find that the areas that people are aware of typically, you're right, are only a few and are the quantitative areas. They're important. Absolutely, we've got to include them, but they're not all that's important. So, for example, if we're going to pass on a family business to another family member intergenerationally, here are the 12 areas very quickly that need to be covered. And you'll hear a blend in here between the qualitative and the quantitative. Right. And if you, if you use a buzzword that our listeners aren't likely to understand, Barbara, I may... Stop you and ask oh, you, you to bet. explain that one. These are pretty uh, pretty self-explanatory, but you're welcome to. So there's a broad category that's called uh, transforming communication. And under that category, there are three specific areas that need to be identified in terms of how well we're doing now and where we might need to place some attention. Those areas are around family culture, mm -hmm. career satisfaction. Okay and family relationships. Makes sense. Then there's a second key area that's called enhancing leadership. And here we want to pay attention to successor development, successor competency, mm -hmm. and compensation standards. Some of those things you were just referencing. Sure. Leadership is uh, 
a, a real problem. It's one of those poorly defined words in business. Absolutely. I just did a long program uh, for other Sandler trainers on leadership. Exactly. And the reality is that most people who are entrepreneurial mm-hmm. are not necessarily great mentors in terms of teaching and training that next generation of leaders to be successful leaders, mm-hmm. either in a family or in a family-owned business. The third category is called creating strategies. And the three components under that are what's your business strategy going to be, if there are non-family members involved, Mm -hmm. how do we want to have a strategy for them that works, Mm -hmm. and what is the business structure like? So here we get a little more into some of the technical in terms of are we going to be an LLC, are we going to be a partnership, we're going to be a C-Corp, what are we going to do here in terms of how we want this structured going forward? We get into issues of governance, we get into issues of ownership, we get into lots of the more technical types of things here. So imagine there you may have uh, attorneys or CPAs involved with your team. Absolutely, absolutely. And on top of that, of course, when we're doing the compensation standards in the previous category, Again, we're going to be working with compensation specialists that can help us get that right. Sure, you can get data from a large cross-section of companies. Right. And one of the mantras we have is we never expect to or want to or try to replace anybody who's already on the team for that business owner or for that family. We just ask for a spot on the bench mm-hmm. because we believe that we have these special processes that work in these unique situations that perhaps the other people do not. Okay. Okay. Then the last area is called building responsible ownership, Mike, and the three categories under here are two qualitative, I'm sorry, two quantitative and one qualitative. So one is tax planning, one is financial planning, so those would be the quantitative areas. Mm-hmm. And then there's one on management succession, which again is going to lead more toward the qualitative. So you see how they blend and they integrate a- around that circle, yet what happens is either those qualitative areas are either not known, mm-hmm. they're not even known or identified or understood, let alone having a process to work through those areas. Mm -hmm. I think sometimes they're they're buried. Absolutely. And this is at no criticism or no fault of anyone because you ran off a list of professional designations that I have, not one of them, and this isn't a criticism, it's just the nature of the designation, not one of them taught me to be skilled in this qualitative area. Mm -hmm. And that's going to be true for most advisors. Most advisors are quantitatively trained. They're quantitatively comfortable. They know the quantitative questions to ask. And they're compensated on a quantitative basis. On creating quantitative results. Right. Exactly. Yet what we know causes the thing to blow up is not that the planning wasn't done extraordinarily well from a technical perspective, but what happens is the people are not prepared 
for that transfer to work well for them. Okay, we're going to take a, a short break. And again, if you uh, have a question for Barbara about family businesses or transitions, uh, our number here today is 646-595-4916. Company owners and sales managers, are you sick and tired of hiring a salesperson you think is Tom Cruise only to get Pee Wee Herman on the first day of the job? Call me, Mike Roth, 513-646-6523, to stop this from happening to you again. This is Mike Roth, Cincinnati's most experienced Sandler trainer. Many salespeople tell us business was really easy. They likened it to gathering fruit in an orchard full of ripe trees. They gathered the low-hanging fruit. They had to get baskets to pick up the fruit that was already fallen. They never had to climb a tree. They worked this way for 10 or 15 years. Given the strong economy, this was no problem. What are you hearing now? The economy has slowed down. Salespeople are competing on price. There's still business now, but salespeople have to work harder. The fruit has not fallen from the tree, and there's no low-hanging fruit. The fruit is there, but it's higher up in the tree. The problem is their salespeople have forgotten how to climb. Do your salespeople know how to climb? If you or your team needs to learn how to climb through and up out of tough economic times, call me, Mike Roth, at 513-646-6523, or check our website at rothconsulting.net. This is Mike Roth with Sandler Training, finding power and reinforcement. Are you tired of prospects saying, I want to think it over? Are you tired of being an unpaid consultant? Call me at 513-646-6523 on the web at rothconsulting.net. This is Mike Roth. I'm back with uh, Barbara Culver. Barbara, why don't you uh, tell people how they can get a hold of you after the show? Okay. We're located in uh, Cincinnati, Ohio. That's where our headquarters are. And um, our phone number is 513-605-2500. That's 513-605-2500. Email is barb at connectgens.com. That's C-O-N-N-E-C-T dash gens for generations. Dot com. You can also write to Steve uh, at that same email address. You can check us out on the web at connectgens.com. Good. Now, family-owned company, Steve must be your son. He's my brother. Your brother, okay. He's my brother. I missed on that one. Just a guess. Uh, what do you see as the opportunities and possibilities in the marketplace for your services today? I think they're huge. Our company is growing at an incredible pace, and I believe it's for a couple of reasons. I think once people have a conversation with us, it just makes sense. And they realize that, yes, in fact, these qualitative issues, or at least some of them, have probably gone unaddressed or left out because people didn't even know it was important. Are, are most of your clients or prospective clients here in the Cincinnati, southwestern Ohio area? Not necessarily. We have a national practice. Okay, so you work all over the country. We do, yes. Mm-hmm. And our team is all over the country. Our team literally comes from uh, Portland, Oregon to Boston, mm-hmm. and from Denver, Colorado down to um, Naples, Florida. So if someone in New York or Los Angeles wanted to 
talk to you, have a short conversation with one of your team, fly over to, to meet with them? If they're the right match. Hmm. We always let the match trump geography. Okay. By that you mean what is the right match? Well, for example, um, I'll be going down to Naples, Florida um, over Labor Day to work with a couple. And while we're going to start talking with mom and dad who are in their 50s, their concerns, and a business owner, uh, their concerns are for their two adult sons and daughter-in-law and grandson. So they know that after we help them get more clear and more aligned regarding some of the things that they want to talk about, what we know is that the next step is they're going to want to include their family in the next conversation. So I asked them this question. I said, when someone then works with your adult children, who happen both to be boys, said, do you care if it's a male or a female, number one, who do you think will be more effective? And second of all, do you want that person to be an inheritor like your sons are? And their answer happened to be, yes, we want them to be an inheritor, and we think we would like it to be a male. So I said, okay. And that then helps me know who to bring in from the team. And how many people do you have in the virtual team? Oh, we've got a dozen. About a dozen? Yeah. That covers most of the situations? Yes, it does. Yes, it does. So what happens with the opportunities here is we find that when we can have a conversation with folks and share with them that there are these 12 key areas that are helpful to know about, that there's an assessment tool that sort of lights up those areas in terms of how well we're doing, Mm-hmm. in each of those areas so that we immediately get guideposts. Is this an assessment tool that you created yourself at Resonate? It's actually one of the people on the team. Oh, really? Yeah, that created it. So, Tell, us, tell the, the listening audience a little bit about your assessment tool. Okay, sure. So one of the things that people love about the assessment tool is online. Another thing that they love about it is that it's anonymous. So, for example, what happens is We usually end up talking, let's say, to the business owner who's thinking about this succession. And when we share with the business owner what these 12 areas are, the interest gets piqued to say, gosh, I might think I'm doing really well in three or four of these areas that I knew about and focused on, but I don't think I've done too much or didn't even have much awareness in these other areas And what I'd like to do is get some feedback from other people whose opinions I trust and or who are going to be involved in this succession itself to see how they score where we are in terms of our progress in each of these areas. Mm -hmm. So uh, what does it cost uh, to run a company through a succession planning survey Um, I'm going to give you two answers to your question about this one, Mike. Um, We get asked this all the time, of course. And one of the distinctions that we make is between a cost and an investment. So we'll oftentimes say back to that business owner, it's our belief that the cost to you 
is if you don't engage in the assessment. Because what's going to happen is you are probably going to get less than desirable results. And those results can actually end up with your family fracturing apart. So that's really a lot more than just plain money. Way more than just plain money. I mean, now we're talking, you know, what's most precious to us in life are these You're talking people. About legacy. We're talking about legacy. We're talking about relationships. We're talking about everything that matters the most to us in life. Our values, our work ethic, our ritual, our traditions, our beliefs, our principles, all of that can be lost. Mm -hmm. So what we suggest instead is that um, they consider making an investment in getting information back Mm -hmm. regarding where people see the company positioned right now in terms of its readiness in each of these 12 areas. And and that that investment runs anywhere from about $7,500 to about $10,000. Mm-hmm. And it's all done anonymously. It, it is. Now, that's a beautiful way to do things. We know who answers the questions because all the, the surveys and the assessments come back to us. But as far as the business owner or the wider group that this is shared with, no, they, they don't know who right. said what. Right. Many years ago, I worked with a company with uh, 12 brothers. Oh, my gosh. So one brother ran the place. And when I discovered there were 12 brothers in the company, I walked away because I knew there was just no way to get them to make a decision. Yeah. Uh, Since they all wanted something different. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I hope they did well, but I let go of that situation real fast. That's a complex one for sure. That was complex. Indeed. Indeed. Let's talk about uh, what the connections are between family succession and business succession. Oh, sure. And, and tell the folks what you think really works. Sure. Okay. So there's a lot of similarities if you think about the the goals or the end results that a family is seeking that wants to leave this successful legacy so that the next generation stays connected and the wealth stays in place and or continues to grow, and a business owner who wants to retire and leave that business in a great space so it too can continue and financially be successful, provide employment for others, create a legacy, if you will. So what we find is there are assessments if we want to do family succession planning. There are assessments if we want to do business succession planning. And many of the areas are the same. There are some distinctions, of course. But when we're looking essentially to create the same results, the process that we go through is similar. Uh Sometimes it's difficult for leaders to let go. <laughs> Indeed. At least I've noticed that here in Cincinnati. Uh, I spent a, a long period of my career working in the Fortune 1000 world, and uh, there was no such problem as succession planning. Right. Here I see it quite a lot. Right. And I actually see it in uh, some large uh, publicly held companies. Right. And it seems to me that in, in 
in those companies, the problem gets even worse because it gets pushed under the rug. Yes. When will dad retire? Yes. Well, will he work the day he drops when he's 90? Yes. And that, when that day comes, what happens next? The family's the the family business is pretty much doomed to fail. And there, by then, you know, Mike, there's been so much resentment. There's been so much anger that builds up. It's like, does he not trust us? You know, w- w- what's happening here? You know, we're 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 grown up now. He still treats us as kids. Doesn't share enough information. Doesn't really um, help prepare us. Where there's no clear path for succession. There's no clear timeline that's been laid out here. So it's with brothers and sisters in the same company. Everyone is confused. Everyone is confused and and angry, oftentimes. They're angry because they want to contribute more. They want to be able to develop their own potential. They want their own voice to be heard. They want to help chart the the path for the future. And they're under Dad's thumb still. Some do. Some like doing, in quotation marks, the job. That's correct. But probably those are not the ones who are itching for dad to retire. They're the ones who are happy just continuing to cash the paycheck. And what we do, Mike, is we help either avoid the dogfight, of course, that's the preferable way, and or if the dogfight has already started, we have the skill sets to come in and help get people to a point where they can have a conversation again rather than an argument. Okay, Barbara, we're going to take a short break here. If you, again, want to ask Barbara a question, uh, 646-595-4916, and we're going to listen to Sam Rule number 34. Hello, I'm Jerry Weinberg, Sandler Training, and I'm here today to talk about Sandler Rule number 34, which says work smart and not hard. So one of the things we need to do when we're involved in, in going after a, a prospect is to learn how to qualify and disqualify early on. Uh, it's been my experience, you know, having done this for many, many years, as we coach our clients, as, as we train them, that they seem to spend, many of them, an incredible amount of time chasing, following up, Business they're never going to get, and for goodness sakes, if you're going to follow, you know, finish second, why do you even want to bother being in there? We don't get paid on experience, and frequently what happens is uh, we we have a prospect maybe who's on our top ten list, let's say, and we want so badly to meet them, and we finally get an appointment with Mr. or Ms. Big, and and uh, we're brought in there, and uh, next thing you know, we're doing a proposal to a totally unqualified situation. And uh, maybe it's a much larger piece of business than we normally would be working with. And we wind up in Think It Overland. And next thing you know, we're following up and we're, we're making phone calls and, and we're sending emails and nothing's happening. I'll tell you what is happening is we're not prospecting because we're spending too much time with prospects we're never going to do business with. In fact, I'd like you to write that question down and kind of track it over the next several days. How much time do I spend following up, chasing business I'm never going to get, and how do I suffer with that? One of the ways that you can work around that is instead of going after a a large chunk of dollars, start with a smaller piece. We call it a monkey's paw. 
get some dollars, maybe for an assessment, maybe for a pilot program. You'll also keep your competition out of the picture. You'll at least feel like you're making some progress, and then you can make it work better. So again, Jerry Weinberg, Sandler Rule number 34, work smart, not hard. This is Mike Roth. I'm back with Barbara Culver. Barbara, I'm going to ask you one of my favorite questions. We have a rule here that complex problems are never solved by simple solutions. So if you want to solve a complex problem, you need a complex solution. Uh, maybe you could share with our listeners a complex problem you solved, either for yourself or one of your clients, with a complex solution that maybe in theory they could use in, in their worlds. Okay. I think, first of all, Mike, what goes through my mind to address this question is I'm in total agreement. And again, this is why we have both a team with a wide variety of credentials and skill sets, which we believe are required to be brought into these complex situations. And for example, a couple of us may start out with the business succession situation or the family situation. And over time, other team members will more than likely be brought in as new issues are presented. The second thing I think that is crucial is not just to have the right team, but to have the process that you know works to get the client from or the family, or the business owner from where they are to where they want to be. So what we tend to do is start with these assessment tools because out of these 12 areas, we're going to get some green lights, some yellow lights, and some red lights. And that helps us enormously have a conversation back with uh, the, the, the business owner, let's say, to say, here's what came back. Based on what came back, we believe there's an orderly way to address what we're seeing here. Our recommendations to you would be to start here and the skill sets that you need in your facilitators or the professionals on your team who are going to lead this part of the process are, therefore, we would recommend you work with X. And we take the the business owner through as as the different um, areas or aspects of this transition move up the ladder to become the priority, we do that same thing again. We say now here, the kind of skill sets that we think you need that would be beneficial are, and now we might recommend that you work with another person. So Sometimes those people are quantitative people. Sometimes we bring in this. This is the this is where we need your CPA. We need your CPA to take the lead here. This is where we need the corporate attorney to really help us in this particular area. This is where we think a communication specialist might be helpful. So, how long is this uh, process on average will resonate when you go through it with a new? Uh, family business that's going to go into transition. Okay. It doesn't sound like it's a one-month process. It sounds like it's multiple years the way you... It, it can be. It's pretty much up to you know that business owner and or the family. Here's what we usually find. As long as we continue to deliver value, 
people want to keep moving forward with us. Now, please understand, our goal is always to fire ourselves. And and the reason I say that is because our goal is to transfer these skills to the family members themselves so they don't need us every time they move into conflict resolution. They don't need us every time they get into a governance issue. But they now have the skills and the process and the, the questions and, and the ability to hold those conversations themselves. But it takes practice. Sure. Now, uh, here in Cincinnati, uh, this Gehring Institute uh, purports to help family businesses um, how will you compare and contrast what they do to what you do? I think there's a lot of similarities, quite frankly. I think that um, you know the Garing Institute has an incredibly wonderful reputation in our city. I think that we are probably a little more um, specialized in terms of the qualitative side of the issues. Not to say that we don't understand the quantitative side and not to say that we don't have attorneys and CPAs on our team with specialties if we need them. But again, oftentimes we find that those folks are already in place. And we're not, again, trying to replace anyone. We're just asking for a spot on the team to add some new resources to get through this specific goal of business transition. And you're right, it takes a while, Mike, but but the business owner gets to drive the process about how quickly it moves on. Right, right. That sounds a lot like the way we approach a, a company that's got five, ten, or a hundred salespeople, as we, we saw it with a uh, rather extensive diagnostic process. Uh-huh. Figure out what the skills are, the competencies that the team members have, what the behavioral styles are, what the roles are that they're supposed to be playing. And we've even begun to look at what you would call the ability to logically reason and quantitatively handle numbers because people are different and people who aren't good at quantitative and qualitative reasoning don't necessarily make the best sales professionals. Exactly. And I'm sure but they could be good artists. They they sure could be. And I'm sure that part of the feedback that you get after you go through this diagnostic is, wow, it's never been so clear to us. Part of what you provide, I think part of what we provide is clarity about where we are now, which then helps us understand where do we need to go next and in what kind of order makes sense to do that in. Right. And, yeah. And we just have done something like this uh, this week. We went backwards and profiled the company owner so that he he could modify his behavior to work better with his sales team. Exactly. Because as you were mentioning before, there are these issues of letting go. There are these issues of my whole life, my whole self-esteem is in this company. Who will I be if I'm not here? There are issues of I built it, nobody else can run it as well as me. Nobody else will ever care about it as much as me. My name's been on the door for 50 years. You think I can just walk away? I mean, these are legitimate, very legitimate hurdles, obstacles, challenges 
that are a part of this process. And so some of the resources that we bring are very much tailored to the existing business owner to talk about, let's help you create a new vision for your life that has meaning and passion and purpose in it for you after the business. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we, we certainly have a couple of people in Cincinnati, just a few CEOs I know. They're uh, well over 70 years of age and still plugging along. Exactly. When the business perhaps should have been transi- transitioned years earlier. Yeah. Uh, and then the sadness that pops up in those situations, of course, is that usually this ends up happening you know, by force, if you will, in, in an instant, in something happens to somebody. I get disabled. I die. I do whatever. I can't come back anymore. And then the, the company's left in disarray and confusion, isn't it? Usually that results in a, a failure of a private family company where there was no clear succession plan. Exactly. Or uh, you see cases where uh, we watched one a few years ago where a company went from $12 million a year down to five. Yeah. Because even if you said, hey, Bob, hey, Susie, whoever, you know, if if something happens to me, I'm counting on you. But you never really allow that person to make decisions, to understand all of the company, to do what it takes for them to be, quote, counted on when that mentor is no longer there to be a coach and to be uh, there as a a source of um, answers and wisdom and so on. Well, how can you expect them to succeed as well as they might have? Right. And when the family members don't uh, agree and can't work together well, I've seen cases where uh, two brothers were working for dad in the company. Dad gets retired early, let's put it that way. Uh, Brother number one decides he doesn't want to work with brother number two, leaves, leaves the whole industry, and... uh, Brother number two has never run a company before. He was a production guy. Exactly. And we see tremendous losses. Exactly. And just because you've got the same last name, all of a sudden you're sitting in the CEO's chair. Mm-hmm. Yeah. didn't matter if you've got the skill sets for it or not. He may have been the absolute best production manager possible. Mm-hmm. And, and the CEO may or may not have been the best CEO in the, in the first place. The transfer skill sets. Exactly. So we wind up with a lot of, uh, we, 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 in this town I've seen a lot, of, a lot of trouble. Yeah, and I think it's getting better though. I think partly because the awareness is there. I think partly because people do see that this is real, that businesses fail. If you don't do the planning, and I think, Mike, the last piece is that the message is really getting across that if you only do the technical, the quantitative side of the planning, the plans still, in family situations, still fail, Mike, 70% of the time, each time that wealth is supposed to transfer from one generation to the next. And it's only about 3% of the time due to advisor error. In other words, maybe an attorney made a drafting error or a CPA made a, an error in a tax calculation. It's, it's only 3% of the time an advisor error, the rest of the time is because we didn't do a good job preparing on the qualitative side. So I guess your message is we really need uh, in family businesses to prepare for the inevitable changes. Yeah, we need both 
quantitative and qualitative, integrative. You want to key insurance. Well, I think that's important too, but yes, I mean, not to leave something out to put something in, but to really make sure that we're doing this in a comprehensive and integrated fashion. Good. Barbara, I want to thank you to, for being with us today. Uh, we're just about out of time. Uh, and uh, I'm going to be giving you a copy of our newest Sandler book, The 11 Sandler Insights. Well, thank you. Follow up to the 49 Sandler Rules book. It's been number one on Amazon uh, bestseller list uh, for a while since uh, end of April when it came out. And it also jumped up uh, to number one on the Wall Street Journal uh, bestseller list. So it's a good book to read. And I want to thank you again for uh, being with us today. Uh, tomorrow we're going to have uh, Troy uh, Augustine from iNet Interactive. And Scott, why don't you uh, take it away? Thanks for listening. If you have questions or comments, contact Mike at Mike Roth at RothConsulting.net or call Mike at 513 753 9400.